the Buddha's first practice that he taught was to simply notice his breath and in noticing the breath to simply say to oneself silently, now I am breathing in, now I am breathing out. So I invite you to step into that practice now. As you close your eyes, we move into a chant, a prayer, a centering prayer, and a prayer, and a, a heartfelt prayer. Now I am breathing in, now I am breathing out. In this very room, there's quite enough love for all the world. And in this very room, there's quite enough joy for all the world. And there's quite enough love and quite enough power to walk through our every fear. For spirit, one spirit is in this very room, in this very room, in this very room. And now that I'm breathing in, and now that I'm breathing out, Presencing myself in this moment and allowing my words to be your words if they fit. I recognize the presence, the joy, the beauty, the love of the source of all life. That life, that source, that quantum field of existence, everywhere, everywhere present is my life. And so I affirm and know that I am guided and directed in this moment as I stand grounded in my breathing. Now that I am breathing in, now that I am breathing out, presences me in this moment, brings my, my energetic body fully within my physical form, grounded and at peace. This is a day of peace and love because this is what I choose. I know in this moment of centering breathing and centering prayer that I'm more fully and clearly able to perceive that which is guiding me, that unseen force of divine intelligence that is instructing, informing, and resourcing me in every good way. Wherever there is discord going on within my physical being, I know that this infinite divine intelligence is supporting this physiology of this body into returning to its harmony and balance, which is its divine right order. Wherever there is discord in my life, whether it's financial, whether it's career, whether it's emotional, whatever it may be, I direct this infinite divine intelligence in this moment to perfect my experience, to bring me back into my natural state of being, which is one of abundance, health, vibrancy, and joy. Knowing that the table is set this day, I'm so grateful for the beautiful music, I'm so grateful for Sparrow, and Matt and Keith to show up on this beautiful day and share their gifts with us, to lift us up and remind us of the harmony and the melody and the, and the, the symphony of life that we are immersed in. 
I'm so grateful for night and day, for opportunities to sleep, to renew ourselves, to be refreshed and move out into activity in new and wonderful ways, to know that we are not stuck anywhere as long as we choose not to be stuck. So I'm so grateful for so much of life. I stand in great gratitude with you knowing that each moment forward is a moment of joy and opportunity. For this I give thanks and together we say, and so it is. Good morning. So we've been um, using Greg Braden's book, The Divine Matrix, this month, and it's a, it's a beautiful book, and it's such good timing. Um, it just seems extraordinarily dark right now. Can you see me? Because I can't see any of you, but it's just... Maybe something's happening to me. I'll just keep going until I can't see anybody anymore. And then... Anyway, um, using the, um, the, the work of The Divine Matrix... And so one of the chapters is called Once Connected, Always Connected. And it's a beautiful, I, I, I'm really, I've got a new appreciation for uh, Greg, Greg Braden's uh, body of work and what he stands for on the planet. So he talks this, this week in this chapter that, that I've selected about the hologram. And so the, the great image of the hologram or the opportunity, there's Princess Leia. Remember Star Wars? Has anybody seen Star Wars or experienced Star Wars besides me? There's two people in the back over there. That's awesome, great. So at least I'll know what I'm talking about. But anyway, of course, Princess Leia shows up and she appears as a hologram to Luke Skywalker. You know, Luke, Luke, I am your father. That one. So anyway, Luke, and Luke sees this small image of her and she conveys this story and this sense of urgency and, and you know, and then the tale begins and it's quite a compelling and there's a new one coming out uh, this year, a new Star Wars or whatever it is, a prequel, I think, or... Whatever it may be, I'm not sure, but I know what's happening. I've seen the trailers for it. So with a hologram, the interesting thing about the hologram is each part of the surface contains the entire image, just as it was, as it was originally seen, only on a smaller scale. So if you were to take a hologram and shatter it, and many of you have seen this, but if you break it into little pieces and you pull it up, that little piece will contain the totality of the image, of what the, what the, the, the wholeness, it, it is still that same image, but in a smaller form. The holog- in the holographic something, every piece of the something mirrors the whole something. In the holographic something, every piece of the something mirrors the whole something. And so <clears throat> the beautiful thing about this, and what we know is that we are all part of a universal spiritual hologram. That the field does exist. He talks in, in uh, one of the videos that I, I was uh, doing a lot of research this week with Greg Braden, and he talks in there of an experiment that was done about 100 years prior to 1987, when they finally realized they were trying to prove the field, this divine matrix is really a field. And, they, the, and they, the, the, the experimentation was good, as he said, but the results, they weren't able to measure the results because they didn't have the equipment to measure. So they replicated that experiment 100 years later, and this time they were able to measure the field, this, this quantum field in the protons and electrons. So in this experiment, he said what we realize is that we have a, a, a slide. There's a, a picture of a map of some terrain and then there's some red lines that go out from it. It represents they separated these two protons that were connected in some capacity and they stimulated one. And what they found was when they stimulated one and the other one was, was meters away, 
was that the other one was stimulated simultaneously, that there was no delay. And he writes about, in the book, he says, what if the signal from one photon never traveled to reach the other? Is it possible that we live in a universe where the information between photons or the prayer of our loved ones or the desire for peace in a place halfway around the world never need be transported anywhere to be received? And it was very interesting. We had a beautiful meditation done by Saskia Brumwell Blessing this morning. And in it, she was, and, and I always, I love the meditations, and I'm, it's a wonderful thing if you haven't been to one. It's prior to our first service. But she used this beautiful metaphor of sending love and sending love across the ocean to the people in France. We're going to do a, a bit of a ritual today for ourselves in celebration of that. And this, this work that Greg Braden's done is a perfect fit for it. But one of the things that Saskia talked about, and this is the exuberance and the passion of youth. And I, I get this completely what she was what she was saying, but, but the beautiful thing about what Greg Braden is talking about and what the field is talking about and what Ernest Holmes talked about, see, we don't have to be with one another to be effective in our prayer work. When we train practitioners or prayer partners in this tradition, and you don't have to be a licensed practitioner to do affirmative prayer, but the emphasis is always upon the practitioner doing their own interior work, creating the qualities of consciousness that the client that they're working with is desiring to experience. Why would this work? Why would somebody know perfect peace for me? Why would that help me? And what we know now, what Ernest Holmes understood and the mystics of all time have taught is that we are all connected in the hologram of life. All of us are connected. We can't even, we cannot not be connected. And so when we do our prayer work, what's important, what I think is such a lovely thing to know is I can't fix the world. I can only do my own prayer work here. And so if I long for peace for the world, when I see things in Paris happen, I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm still processing and figuring this out as well. It's tragic and it's sad. And, and I, you know, I've had times when I've just welled up with sorrow because it's so random and it's, it's so unexplainable in so many ways. And yet, I know for me to then decide that I need to punish someone or I need to blame someone. Now, I know that... There's people that are taking, they're, they're in, investigating and they're following through and all the things that, that, they can, that the, the world can do. But what I can do at this point in time is I can embody the qualities that I think support and offer the presence of love. And so if I, I don't need to send my love, like Saskia said, it was so sweet. She says, my, send that gooey love. I'm like, my love's not gooey. Wait a minute. You know, I'm, I'm doing the editing in my head while she's guiding us. I'm like, I don't have gooey love. My love's clear and grounded. But to, to, to fill our cup, I look at spiritual community as an oasis. And if it's not meaningful and impactful, it's not a rich experience, if it doesn't, if it doesn't contain that field that we long to experience, go, oh yeah, that's right. I went out in the world and I had this experience and I had my heart broken and I was disappointed. And then to step back in the door and know. But it's not about being gooey. It's about being clear. And, I, and I'm not criticizing Saskia. I love Saskia. I think she's, I keep telling her, you're going to be a minister one day. She is a minister. But I say, oh yeah, sweetheart, I see a minister there. Someone did that to me years ago and I kept going, no, no, no get away from me. And I, and I wore garlic around my neck to keep him away. And, no, no, not for me. But she's just a beautiful light. So we do send. We do, we do share. But it's not about this idea that I'm, I'm going to send the person in the back row over their love. Because they may not want my love. 
They may not, it could be, it could be, that's spiritual malpractice. To think that you, because, oh, you poor thing, I'm gonna send you love. They may say, screw you. I don't want your love. Get away from me. Unless we have permission. Where does that come from? Why didn't Jesus, when he was on the planet, amazing healer, the Buddha, why didn't he just say, you know, everybody's suffering here. Oh, Pharisees, I'm gonna sprinkle some Jesus dust on you and heal you. No, he needed permission. You have to ask. In, in John of God, it's a current example, I'll use it. In, in Abhijanya, they say that the entities of light cannot help you unless you invite them, unless you welcome it. Otherwise, you have no business. So we ain't got no business sending anybody anything that we, they haven't asked for. But what we can presence is the qualities that we want to share, the qualities that we stand for. And that gets shared energetically. So we're not, we're, not, we're not singling anyone out. We're just simply saying, I am, the, I am the consciousness of, in all this chaos, love and clarity. I am the consciousness of beauty and joy. This is what I stand for. And so I'm going to do my own tr- internal work to build that. And in building that and in embodying that at a deeper and more beautiful and expansive level, it gets shared. Who does it get shared with? Anybody and everybody who's available to that. But they decide, not me. All I can be and all you can be is the presence. Every great teacher that's come along has had critics. Because we have personalities and egos. And, and, and people come into spiritual community and think, well, he's the leader, he should fulfill all my needs. It's not why I'm here. I'm here to comfort the afflicted and to afflict the comforted. One of my teachers said that, and the more I go along, it's true. Because it we're, we're here to continue to be on that ever, that the leading edge of that ever greater yet to be. And so it's a, it's a fascinating, it's fascinating work. You know, Jesus only had 12 good buddies. Think about it. Guy changed the world, he only had 12. There's probably almost 100 people sitting here right now. He only had 12. But the point being is, is that we are part of the hologram. So Russell Targ said, we live in a non-local world where things physically separated from one another can nonetheless be an instantaneous communication. So it's not about sending, it's not about receiving, it's about being. You can't get there. You can't get there. You can only be there. And it is that work done within. So I want to share with you an amazing video by Greg Braden. The first uh, section is a minute, about a minute and 40 seconds. There's five minutes total. But I want to share this. This is a video. Let me set it up a little bit. It's a video that he's shown all over the world. And it's, just, it's a film. Some of you have maybe seen it. You can go on YouTube and see it this afternoon if you want to see the full length. One that's about 14 minutes. But it's a, it's a hospital in China. <clears throat> and in this hospital in China, they don't use any drugs. They don't even use anesthesia. What they do is they get together and, they, and through that, um, you know, they can photograph the baby in your tummy. What is that? Ultrasound. ultrasound. They have an ultrasound on this woman's stomach. She's got a tumor in her bladder. And what they do is that these technicians, these people, they're in their white lab uh, outfits and they've got the ultrasound and they're measuring. They've got a picture, a static picture of what the tumor looked like. And then they have a, a real-time photograph of the tumor. And as these, these technicians chant, the tumor shrinks. And so this is the first minute, 40 seconds of that. There's Greg Braden. Is the woman... He's talking about the woman. awake. She's awake. She is conscious. She has no anesthetic. She believes in the process. She believes in what is happening. And there are three practitioners who are trained to create the feeling in their bodies 
as if the woman is already healed. And then on the computer screen, we will see two images. One image is before the healing, and one image is actual time, real time, so we can see the healing happen. And while the healing is happening, you will hear the practitioners chant a word. And I want you to know there is no magic in the word. It could be any word. But this word is the word that they have chosen that reinforces for them, that tells them the feeling. So they agreed that this is the word that would create the feeling for them. But it could be any word. I just I want you to know that. So I'm explaining this now, and we'll explain it again as we go through the film. And I'm going to show you a bit more of the film as they do that, that and he explains a bit of what happened. What it ties in with is on page 109 of his book, and so we've had this experience internationally where a lot of lives have just been snuffed out by people who are very upset about a variety of things. And it's, it's a shock. It's a shock to our sensibilities and what we know as human beings. And, you know, um, Ernest Holmes in a textbook said, we have learned enough through suffering. I think the planet has learned enough through suffering, but obviously we keep having experiences where bloodshed happens and I think it's a, a wake-up call. And I thought, how appropriate, what a blessing. You know, I, I was so blessed to have the, be charged with the responsibility of putting something together today of meaning. And we're going to do a, a, a ritual today as we conclude around celebration of, and, and mourning and the significance of what has happened. And the reason that I want to share this with you, you know, how it can be so impactful, is that on, on page 109 he says, Irvin Laszlo described the, the, the reason. He was a visionary and a philosopher. He's talking about the non-local reality, the quantum, this, this holographic universe. And he said that all that happens in one place happens also in other places because we are connected. And all that happened at one time happens also at times after that. So at the quantum level, that's why healing is so impactful that when we have a significant shift... It doesn't just shift us in this moment. It changes everything that has gone before it and everything that will come after it. I mean, and we live at that. That, that is, the, that is the, the, the energetic field that we live at, at the, uh, spiritually. And yet, because we have beginning and middle and end, and people do things, and then we, we want to point fingers and we want to blame and we demand apologies and this and that and on because we are so indignant of what has happened, and that is our egoic natures. But our opportunity is to see with different eyes. It's not that we allow this or support it to be able to say, I don't stand for this. But what I know and take a stand for what I do, do believe is precious. Because we've got plenty of people alive right now that want to punish and want to blame and want to, want to drop another bomb and want to destroy life in response to life being destroyed. But so, and, and so it continues the cycle. And I'm not saying be a wimp. But I'm saying use our consciousness wisely. All that happens in one place happens also in other places. And all that happened at one time happens also at times after that. Nothing is local. Ernest Holmes said there is no private good in in the connection. There's no private good. Our blessings are everyone's blessings. Our sorrow, our pain, 
we share that as well. As the great spiritual teachers such as Mahatma Gandhi and Mother Teresa demonstrated so eloquently, the non-local holographic principle is an immense force, a David to the Goliath. We are the David in consciousness to the Goliath. To the Goliath. What looks uncon- uh, unconquerable, uh, unresolvable, is just simply an illusion and it's a fantasy that we live in. But to hold fast to the idea that what needs to be known, what needs to be given birth, I become available to that. That's why Gandhi said, you must be the change you wish to see in the world. Because he understood that. He fought the British Empire for years. To, and he, 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 he created a consciousness to confront and to speak non-peacefully to a, a domination that was going on that looked insurmountable to many people. He led the nation into a, a, a different way of being. Was it perfection? No, but it was the next right step. There's still problems. There's still ongoing things and situations that, that could be better. But he finally rose up and garnered the consciousness and support to give birth to a new experience in the face of what looked like Goliath. So key number 14, the universally connected hologram of consciousness promises that the instant we create our good wishes and prayers, the instant we create good wishes and prayers, they are already received at their destination. We don't have to send anything. Our, our opportunity, just as Holmes said as a practitioner in this teaching, is to know, it's called new thought for a reason, to help support someone in a new thought of their experience. So when, people that we, so when we care deeply about people, we care about suffering on the planet, it doesn't do any good to wallow and to identify those people as victims because they have been victimized. It's the truth. But to not reinforce this idea that they're victims does not assist them. But to know, to know clearly and beautifully they have everything they need to move forward. And I stand in that knowing with them and I will do whatever I can to support them. And then we, are, then we are spiritually alive and healthy and vibrant. This is what it means to, to teach and live from love. You know, we can, we can hug them, but hugging is not the end. Oh, they were suffering. I went over and gave them a hug. Call me on Tuesday. You know, it is more than that. It is a knowing. It is a blessing. It is, a, it is an energetic field. That's our opportunity. You know, so it, it, it should, but it's fascinating because we live in the t- time-space continuum. We think we got to do something. We think we got to do something, and we we will have the opportunity to do something. But the first thing to do is to be something. We sat down at the meditation this morning, and, and Saskia went right into sending. And I thought, wait a minute, wait a minute, I want to fill my cup first. There was no grounding stuff going on here. And I thought, I'll, I'll talk to her and coach her a little bit, for, but for me. Because I know when my cup is full, I got, I got more than enough to give. So I sat down, I was distracted, I wasn't present. And before I knew it, she's like, I'm sending, I'm sending my gooey love across the ocean. I'm like, wait a minute, I don't have anything to send right now. I know it's possible, but this doesn't feel like, you know, I wanted to be in the fullness of that. As the Buddha said, now I am breathing. Now I'm breathing in, now I'm breathing out. Now I'm breathing in, now I'm breathing out. It centers us, it grounds us, it's energetic. I think you're powerful. When you ground your energy, you, you, you own the room. You own yourself. Nothing can move you. Because you're grounded that infinite wisdom has an opportunity to inform and resource and, and aliven you. As a beautiful uh, Vietnamese monk, Thich Nhat Hanh, said, when we're present in the present moment and we look at the tree, 
We look at the flower. I went and bought these flowers this week. I said, yeah, I got I to gotta bring something alive. After all this week of death and sadness, I'm bringing something alive in here. I went over to the flower store and I, I stumbled around a bit and I came back and put these. I just said, we got to have something alive this week. I found my wife Laura's favorite flowers, a bird of paradise. That's these things that look like birds here. When we first came here, she went down to the moo tart. I said, what's the moo tart look like? She says, it looks just like our backyard in California. I said, well, that's great. I don't need to go down there then. I know what that looks like. But we used to have birds of paradise there. But something alive. Something alive. And so, you know, that, that the infinite divine intelligence that creates this work of art is the same thing that created all of us. It's available to all of us. And I want to be in that. I want to be in that sphere. Through the hologram of consciousness, a little change in our lives is mirrored everywhere in the world. He says, when we make a little change here and another there, suddenly everything seems to change. See, it's not wholesale changes. In fact, a small alteration in one place can permanently shift an entire paradigm. A small alteration. What is your small alteration? What is mine? What's the one small thing I can do today so that I'm available to the greater yet to be? So I want to share the second part of the, uh, the video with Greg Braden. And he explains a bit more of this, and we'll, we'll expand on it a little. So we're going up to 7.10. And here is the tumor right here. The black is the emptiness of her bladder. This is the tumor. And now they take a snapshot for reference, a snapshot now. Okay, this is the real time. So this is now reference. This is actual time. Okay. This is two minutes, 40 seconds. Two minutes, 40 seconds. This, on the left-hand side, is the reference tumor. On the right-hand side, the tumor is gone. In the Western way of thinking, modern science says this is a miracle because they do not understand the field that connects everything and they do not understand the language that speaks to that field. But once we understand that is no longer a miracle, that is a technology. And you listen to the chant. Okay, the word that they are using, loosely translated, means already happened. It's already done. In their mind and in their heart, they're coming from the place that the healing has already happened. Not that it's going to happen, and not that it's about to happen, or that it's a long, slow happening, that it has already happened. And this is important, because the field of energy that we are about to discuss is a mirror, a mirror, it reflects our feeling of what we are experiencing in the moment. So if our belief is that our healing is about to happen, 
or that our perfect relationship will come to us someday, or that our abundance in the bank will happen someday, the field will keep reflecting someday, 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 because it is open-ended. There is no outcome. There is no conclusion. This is a very subtle, very powerful understanding of how this field works. This field that we're about to discuss now. So pretty fascinating, isn't it? So the idea in, in this whole video is that these, tech, these practitioners, as he called them, are chanting. It's already done. It's already done. Now, present moment, present moment, present moment, because the infinite divine intelligence responds to our consciousness. So to embody at the feeling level what we are longing to experience. Esther Hicks calls it you know, reaching for the highest thought possible. Reaching for that feeling tone of the experience. What is it you long to experience? And are you spending time each day in that, in that feeling tone? Which is, and you know, I love it that our prayer work is there's one life, that life is God's life. That life is perfect, that life is my life now. There's a great story by Edward Foglione. He talks about going to, to ballet and meeting this monk. And the monk didn't know anything about science of mind or religious science. And he said, what's your mantra? And Edward said, hmm, our mantra is this, there's one life. That life is God's life. That life is perfect. That life is my life now. And the monk said, very good. Very good. But there's a vibrancy in that. We, like, we start there. Oh, please, God, bless me. You know, I grew up in a, a tradition of begging and pleading, as, as a number of people did. And it was good. It gave me, you know, gave me the, a starting point. We all got to realize, you know, okay, there's something beyond this. And, and, but I wanted to be in, in more intimate and, and more productive relationship with that unseen force for good that the teacher Jesus talked about, that the Buddha talked about. You know, the Jesus, Jesus said, you are the light of the world. You are the light of the world. He wasn't talking about somebody back then. He was talking about you and I. These things I have done, you shall do an even greater because he understood this field. He was intimately connected. He had that visionary experience. He was not one of the other things I love about our teaching. We don't teach that Jesus was the great exception. So many people believe that, well, you know, when Jesus comes back, there's, there's millions of people on this planet believe that, you know, once Jesus comes back, it's all going to be different and you're all going to be lifted up in these physical forms. And I mean, all kinds of things like that. Jesus is being waited right now. The, the second coming is now. It's you and I awakening to it and, and giving voice to it and giving action to it. That's the second coming. There are people that believe that you have to die to this lifetime to experience heaven. And what Ernest Holmes and all the great teachers have said, Jesus said that the, the kingdom of heaven is upon the face of the earth and men and women do not see it. It's, a, it's an experience. It's an embodied feeling tone. I'm, I'm so grateful this week with all that went on and, and, and my process of sorrow and sadness and loss because that's part of it too. It's not denying that. But it's having the full experience of, of the loss and we're still in that. We're going to do a ritual today to move some of that energy. We're not going to transform it in this moment but we're going to initiate some shifting of movement as we come together in the clarity of what we stand for. What is it we want to give birth to? Greg Braden, I, this chapter, so I'm reading this chapter and think, oh my God, thank you, Greg Braden, for writing this for this community for this week. He wrote this book, I don't know, 15 years ago. He says, scientific studies support these principles and have found that when people within a group, we're a group, 
share a common experience of consciousness. So I'm going to invite you as we light it. We're going to light candles today, and we're going to sing a song today as our closing. But I'm going to invite you to embody the, the consciousness and the quality, the feeling tone of peace, the feeling tone of love. And in embodying that and being that, wherever it is called for, wherever it is necessary and appropriate to connect, it will. This is giving unconditionally. This means that we're available to, to love those that have been, that look victimized in this and those that are the families of the oppressors, even those, because there's confusion there. What we stand for is being clear about our divinity, our connection to the divine. And to not let these situations spin us into anger and frustration where we want to follow uh, murder with more murder. But to realize, this does, I do not stand for this. In fact, I'm so opposed to it, this is what I stand for. This is what I choose to be. So when a group, people within a group share a common experience of consciousness, the effects can be detected beyond the group itself and even outside the building where the individuals are meeting. Clearly, inner experiences are being carried through some subtle conduit in a way that not restricted by the so-called laws of physics or limited to the immediate surroundings. It's a holographic universe that we live in. I mean, and, and we would look at this as Greg Braden said, what, clearing a tumor in two minutes and 40 seconds is, is a miracle. When you go to John of God, there are people that go, and, go to John of God and, and we come together and as a group, all strangers, and we sit and they say, all you have to do to meditate today is to love God the way you know God. Love spirit the way you know spirit. If you don't believe in God, you don't believe in spirit, love something. But hold that and nurture that feeling tone of unconditional love, which allows some amazing things to happen. No more spectacular than what you witness in this Chinese hospital with three practitioners chanting, it's already done, it's already done. Did you hear the energy and the passion behind it as well? The divine matrix is a field that mirrors what is happening in this moment. It always does. It's the only thing it can do. That's why Ernest Holmes said it is the law. It always responds to us. It has to. It can do no other thing. Neville said this, persisting in the assumption that your desire is already fulfilled, your world inevitably conforms to your assumption. Whatever you assume becomes true for you. I'm not good enough. And the infinite divine intelligence, this field says, you got it, you're not good enough. Not because it's judging you, it's because you're choosing to open up to the new possibilities. What is that one thing, that one self, that error belief that you have, that if you shift, would shift everything? And all of a sudden, when you go out and you see the tree, and you realize, there's God, it's a tree. And you don't just see the tree standing there, you see the dirt that helped nurture that tree, that seed. And you see the, the rain that fed that tree, and the nutrients. And you see the sunlight. All of those pieces that come together and there's this beautiful tree that stands there. It's amazing. 